Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody. It's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. This week's episode features Rianne Silva. She's the founder of Beauty Blender. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Dr. Mark Ronart. He's the founder of Hush and Hush. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be sitting with Rianne Silva. She is the founder of Beauty Blender. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Well, thank you, Jody. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy that you're here, too. So you have a friend in the office, Natalie Banker. Yes! Oh, my God. I was so happy to see her when I walked through that door. Yes, Natalie... Natalie was with me at the beginning of my Beauty Blender journey, and she was really, really helpful. And she worked at a PR firm that we used, and we became fast friends, and we've been connected ever since. She's been telling me that she's been texting you for many months or maybe even years to come on the show, and she finally, it happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm such a dummy sometimes, right? Because when she texted me and was talking to me about her new job, you know, she's had like a bunch of kids, got married, had a lot of life, great life things happen. And, you know, I kind of like when I talk about work, I kind of like when she does or whatever, I kind of like turn it off because we're just talking about other things. And then, um, yeah, then I realized, oh my God, this is, this is where she wanted me to come. I'm so happy to be here. It's awesome. She's um, very pleasant in her persistence. Yeah, It's a gift, right? Oh my God. She taught me so much when I was starting out. She was so helpful. Yes, she is. And she has a very lovely, lovely, pleasant personality, but she gets shit done. She's kind of the nicest publicist anyone's ever met. Absolutely. She took me on my first desk sides ever when, you know, when I first was working with her at the old firm she was at. And it was just so, um, it was so pleasant, but it was so um, like relaxing like she because she's so nice like she made it so easy it could have been super nerve-wracking and it was just so easy so yeah she's pretty awesome well kudos to natalie and now let's talk about you oh okay okay. so one of my favorite questions is to ask about like the minutiae of people's lives so um how will you spend the day today well i have a busy day today jody i'm launching a new product so i have again desk sides i'm doing tons of press today So I will be spending most of my day talking about myself, which is totally annoying. Um, I mean, I guess you're pretty good at it, though. (sighs) Girls got to do what a girl's got to do. Well, that is a great segue into what you've got to do. So so you told me that you started your career in beauty by spraying perfume on people in department stores. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you ever want to be rejected in life, go be a perfume model at a department store. Everybody hates you and everybody has an allergy. Nobody wants to get near you. <laughs> but yet we sell billions of dollars worth of fragrance a year, right? Yeah. I liked it. I got to wear, you know, designer clothes. They let you dress up in their clothes. You look very nice. Um, and I smelled really good when I got home. But I don't know how good I was at upselling perfume because r- literally people just would, I mean, if you want to repel people, walk towards them with a perfume bottle and they'll be like, no, no, go away. What was the name of the department store? Um, it was uh, Robinson's May. So I'm dating myself. I mean, there is no more Robinson's and there is no more May. So. Where was the store? In L.A. So Beverly how did, Hills. How did you manage to take 
that experience and turn that into a, a passion for working in beauty when that's really just like a, a really hard job? Right. Well, I don't think anybody ever aspires to be a perfume model. So as you can imagine, I just kind of fell into that opportunity. I was going to school at FIDM and I needed a part-time job. Um, so I, I applied and they said, I wanted to work in the cosmetic uh, floor, but I didn't have experience. And you know, there was all kinds of rules in the cosmetic floor and each brand has their own team. And I just was not a part of a brand. And and I had never sold cosmetics before. I'd never sold retail at all. I had just really just graduated from high school. So I don't know. I guess they looked at me and said, okay, well, you seem pleasant enough. Maybe maybe you can get people to let you spray perfume on them. So they dressed me up and stuck me out on the floor. <clears throat> and I quickly realized that, um, first of all, I'm not going to make any friends. Uh, however, I did make friends. And I made friends at, at, at the cosmetic floor. I made friends with the women that worked behind the counter at the different brands. And I kind of started to pay attention to the different job opportunities there. In retail, there was a counter manager, there was a makeup artist, there was a market artist, there were, you know, employees from the store that would supplement and go in between all the different brands. And I thought, well, that seems like a lot more fun because everybody's really happy to talk to them. They want to transform and look good. And they actually value what the people are saying. So I kind of just, you know, made it a, a goal for me to to try to meet somebody that would give me an opportunity uh, to work there. I was going to FIDM for, which is a fashion design school, a design school at the time. It was like one, it was one of the first years it was ever in existence. And um, I was going there for fashion design. I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer. And I quickly realized I didn't like the grading and the pattern making. There was like all the back end stuff that actually happened. I liked all the stuff in the magazines, but I, I didn't really want to sew or do any of that. So I quickly realized that I wanted to do illustration. And there was a, a woman there, um, Nancy Riegelman was my my teacher there. She was amazing. She just passed away. It's really sad. But anyway, so I started doing illustration, fashion illustration. So I was good at art and I kind of thought, well, I'm going to get a job in the cosmetic department and I think I can be a makeup artist. I think I can apply all of, you know, what you learn in art with color and texture and all of that stuff. And, and I was pretty good at my own makeup. I mean, hell, they wanted me to be a, ma a, a model, so I must have done something right. So I was like, I'm going to do other people's makeup. And that was kind of like just a quick idea that I thought this might work for me to do a part-time job. It would be fun, and I could make a little money. Did you have I'm to pay to school. for school yourself? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I had, I had school loans. Paid them off, thankfully. Great. So... Um, you know, when we were talking, I started to see a theme in the way you were speaking about your career um, of you realizing that you're reaching these income ceilings and then looking around you to be like, okay, well, how do I get farther, right? How do I make more money? How do I get more for my time? Um, and then finding another path to financial growth. So it sounds like from department store then to freelancer, right? You weren't going to make a boatload of money at the department store. Right. So, yeah, I, I definitely, I don't, I don't come from um, a family with money. Um, I'm Mexican, Portuguese, and Irish. My, my mother's Mexican. My father's Portuguese and Irish. And they were, you know, hardworking people, but they were not really understanding the college path, 
They didn't really prepare me for, you know, my future. I guess they, I guess they had faith in me that I would just figure it out. And apparently, you know, that was the road I took. I did figure it out. So yes, very clearly and quickly, I learned that I needed, once I reached a certain ceiling financially at a job and it wasn't, it was still challenging. I knew, okay, I need to make more money. How do I do that? So then I would look at the next thing that I thought would give me, you know, a better income and make life a little easier and go for that. And yeah, that's, that's how it happened. Um, I went from department stores to then realizing, because by this time I had, um, some things that happened. I found a roommate who was a makeup artist, but she was going out on set. She was leaving the store and actually going out of the store and doing makeup. And I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. Um, and of course, living in LA is the perfect environment, really a great opportunity to be able to enter at some point the entertainment industry. And so that's what I started to focus on. I started to focus on trying to build a book or have, you know, some photos of my work. So that meant I had to meet photographers. Well, I was young and I was hanging out and I was going out to clubs and you would meet people that do things. I met a couple of photographers that did some test shots. You know, they, they wanted me to do makeup or, or they let me, let me say they let me do the makeup for their test shots. And I slowly built a book and then I slowly was able to start working as a makeup artist. It's just a crazy path that happened. And here I am today talking to you. So we had these ceilings. We had the ceiling at the department store. Um, then you would reach the ceiling as a freelancer, and you moved on to a union union job on movie and TV sets. Mm -hmm. But there's a limit to your income abilities there, too, mm -hmm. um, and then to building a brand. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess the the big question I have for you today is, like, why not just choose complacency? You know, why not just choose, like, okay, this is the income I can make at this career? Why, why keep pushing for more? Because there's plenty of people who... Like, you know, they, they take the job, maybe it doesn't make as much money as they want, but they stay there, right? So you, you've kept climbing, right? You kept or gnawing at, at the wall or whatever it is to break through. Um, what do you think is inside you that made you say, wait, no, I, I'm worth more or I value value my worth more than what this role is paying me? Like, what what's inside you that kept pushing? Mm -hmm. um, well, I would love to say, oh, it was, you know, fully 100% I'm just an artist and people valued my work and they wanted to keep paying me more money. But in honesty, uh, I had a quality of life I wanted to live. I, like I said, I didn't come from a family with a lot of money, but I certainly, the one thing that my family did do um, is they always moved us. We always lived in really beautiful areas. So the places that I lived in, I aspired to live like some of my friends' families. Um, living in Newport Beach was an amazing experience. I lived in a condo, but I had friends that lived in beautiful island mansions and flew around in private jets. Like, I saw a different life, you know? I mean, I I'm, and it, it was, even though my, my parents couldn't give it to me, it was definitely their plan to put us in places where we could see what you could have in life and what life could be. And then it's up to you to do it. So you said um, about your career, 
when you were on movie and TV sets that you just didn't want to be in the trailer forever. Um, <laughs> I did say that. And don't get me wrong. I love uh, makeup trailers are the most amazing places. They really are. It's the heartbeat of the set. But I, I just had this thing in me. I was like, I, I don't want to be if, if, if I'm 50 and have to be in a trailer to work, I'm, I'm going to feel a little disenchanted. So my goal was to hit 50 and have that be an option. And if I wanted to be there, then I would be there. But if I didn't want to be there, I had an option. That was the most important thing for me. Well, I think about that in my business too. So I have a creative agency. So in like five years, this whole social media thing, it might implode. Like we might not be, you know, we could be doing something else. So, you know, I have my podcast, I have my other Michigas. Like I, I think we all owe it to ourselves to keep pushing, moving forward because we we can't rely on other forces, right? We have to rely on ourselves. It's a journey, you know, and as you, it's just like walking down the street. You see different things as you go down this journey and some things are going to inspire you. Th- some things are going to teach you uh, you know, to avoid certain things. I mean, I mean, yeah. Do you consider yourself a risk taker? Oh yeah. Big time. And what about with like, the I fun- just don't go to Vegas. I don't gamble. I work too hard for my money. Mm-hmm. I take risks in other ways. Okay. So that's what I was going to ask. Like, do you feel like you take risks with like the, um, business? Like, you know, let's just, let's put the money into this marketing initiative. Let's put the money into this launch. Like, do you feel like you can, um, allocate money and it doesn't feel scary? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm just kind of like a Labrador and I'm just kind of happy and I just don't really see what's going on around me and I have an idea and I try to do it. Or if there's just kind of like a numbness that I have, I don't know how else to explain it, where, you know, and, and what I mean is when I have an idea and I want to make that idea happen, I do everything that I can to achieve that goal of making it happen. And I try to just work with what I have uh, to make it happen. So for example, with money, you know, a lot of friends I have that are trying to start brands and, you know, a lot of people come to me now and say, Hey, Rianne, how did you do it? Weren't you afraid? How did you deal with these people? What are that? Da, 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 da. And I never really looked at things from the perspective of it being stressful and scary. I kind of looked at it as a challenge and an adventure and really like, how can I enjoy this journey and have fun accomplishing my goal because that's the main thing. I'm not the type of person and the whole reason why I chose to be a makeup artist is I'm not the kind of person that can work in an office. Uh, No offense to all my many friends that I respect greatly that are able to do that. But to me, I would be really depressed. It, It just, I don't have a linear way of thinking like that. And although I am a creature of habit, I don't think that that would be a habit, and I never thought it would be a habit that would make me happy. So I knew very early on that having this kind of personality, I am going to have to take risks, but I don't necessarily look at it. I look at it as an opportunity to achieve my goal. If it doesn't work out, then guess what? I learned a lesson. My um, biggest entrepreneurial fear, I think, is rooted in financial insecurity. Um especially as like 
I had my really lean years where I was like, can I afford to go buy an iced tea today? Right? Like real, you know, real. Like I had a little kid. We had an apartment in the city. I was like going out the door in New York City. You spend money in a minute, right? Like, can I actually do this? And then, um, so then the business grew and I like really like that better, right? Just buying the iced tea and not thinking about it. But my big fear is that there's this like sort of like looming um, creature behind me that's going to like, you know, pull it away from me, right? So that's like, the, the ghost of financial insecurity past. Um, and I've been unwinding it. Now I see it more of an adventure and like, let's do it, let's try. But like, is there something that looms behind you that is sort of that like um, shadow of fear as an entrepreneur? Yeah, well, look, I, I don't think anybody, if you're somebody that has had to work very hard to achieve success and you've had those lean years, look, I used to go to Starbucks and steal Splenda. Okay. Like I was a Splenda thief everywhere I went because Splenda was fucking expensive. Okay. And I was not going to eat sugar. And, you know, I'm always trying to like do what I can to stay thin, which I'm failing, failing horribly right now. But, you know, I, I, when you're, when you come from that mindset where you have to watch everything, you never want to go back there again. But I don't let that fear or that, um, you know, anxiety that I would be bringing on myself because it's total fabrication. It's not happening um, at that moment. You know, I, I don't let that really too much try to, you know, control the way I behave. There are things that loom in the background, Jody, but I try to like push them out as soon as they come in. I push them out because they take too much energy away from the things I'm trying to do to accomplish my goal. It takes a lot of energy to walk down a fear path and 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 experience all of those phantom things that are absolutely not happening. But in your mind, you're going down this road. I mean, that's energy spent that I could be going in the other direction. So I just, as soon as a fear comes, sometimes you'll get like a quake in your body. Like you'll just be like, oh, what did I just do? Or maybe I shouldn't have done that. Or maybe I just spent too much money. Or maybe this idea is really stupid. Um, but, you know, I, I push it out. I use common sense. I've made mistakes in the past that I learned from. And if those learnings are relative to the journey I'm taking, then I listen to them, but they're not looming negative things, right? It was a negative experience that I learned from, but something positive came from it. So I just push it out, girl, push it out. Yeah, I, I think I'm getting closer. Um, we're hiring a lot of people and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> So many people on my team and I'm like able to like just roll with it, have fun with it. Like this is like, it's like marketing camp here. This is fun. Um, and I think the, the biggest one that was hard for me for a long time was self-doubt. Like just like t telling myself that I'm not worthy, you know, like it was, and I was able to like squish this down into like a tiny little ball. And I, I think of, I visualize it as like, it's in my freezer. Like it's sort of part of my past. It's who I, I was. So it's still in the freezer, but it's the freezer in the basement, right? It's not like the freezer we use every day. Um, so I'm hoping that the financial insecurity one will get to be stored in the freezer. Well, I think, I think what you're talking about too is, is intuition, right? We have a gut. I mean, sometimes we do things when you talk about scaling your business and growing your business and hiring people and giving them packages and insurance and 401ks and just like all this shit, right? Like it's overwhelming. And and then when you're the person that has to understand how all that works and explain it to people, it's overwhelming. 
um, because that's not the way my mind works. I'm I'm an, I'm an artist, and I'm learning. I've learned to, but what what I'm trying to say is like if you start feeling some sort of red flag come up, it's your duty to pay attention to the red flag. If the red flag is a phantom monster looming in your back and it's really not something to worry because, you know, a red flag will, will, all of a sudden you'll have like three or four red flags pop up if you really start like paying attention to it. You'll like, one thing will pop up and you'll be like, well, what if this happens? And then if this, and you're, you're going down this road, right? You just have to stop and go back to what your first thought was about it. And really what your first thought was about whatever the dream is you have for your business, you know, because that's really staying very clear and focused about the vision you have for your business is always going to help you make the decision that you're doubting yourself about. Right. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to, um, recovery. Um, I have a eye palpitation that happens when I'm nervous. (laughs) Me too. Like, (laughs) and, um, you know, sometimes these things come through like me, um, my hands or my eyes, but I'm, I really like listening to my body. I like listening to my dreams. I think my dreams are very revealing and honest, an honest path to what's going on. So, um, it's, you know, part of, part of the, the day to day of like being me, I'm just like a work in progress, right? Listening to Aren't what's happening. <laughs> so, um, I want to go back in time because you told me that you had your life before beauty was quite interesting, um, involved a lot of travel, Um, so, um, and then, um, it became more challenging when you got pregnant. Right. So, I mean, I guess it's, it's quite a big story and I'll touch upon it, but I mean, this is like a whole other show, but basically I told you my parents, you know, always raised us in really beautiful places, which, uh, put me in, in touch and, in social circles with a lot of different people. And I met a lot of really wonderful people to, to this day I still have friendships with. Um, and, you know, I was a young woman falling in love, you know, and meeting uh, amazing people along the way. And um, those experiences took me down a road where I was for a little bit of time living in London, living in Switzerland. I mean, I found myself this little, poor little Latina girl um, living, you know, in a the other side of the tracks, if you will, in, in the Newport Beach area and suddenly met all these really amazing people that were generous and... Um, yeah, took me took me with them, and and it was a group of young people, and um, that really like they never had to work. They were like beyond trust fund kids. So I think I spent a couple years just traveling with them. Um, eventually having to take a break from FIDM because they were like, school, why are you going to school? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm trying to go, trying to do something here. You you and I are very different, although we're having a really good time. Um, yeah, so that was my experience. And I, and I was really um, intentional at that time to enjoy that opportunity. I like to take opportunities that come to me because I feel like when an opportunity comes to you, um, it's there to, again, teach you something, have an experience. And this was, this time in my life was really like a time that I knew like no other was ever going to come to me again. These were a group of royal people that were able to just you know, fly me around with them. Groups of us, like, like, it was, it's the, like, I don't even know that people do this anymore, but it was like the most amazing thing. And 
I, I was like, you know, if I don't do this, it's not like this opportunity is ever going to come again. What did your parents have to say about it? Well, the good news and the bad news was that my parents were very involved in their own divorce. So it was almost like they were preoccupied with their own story. And the thank God they got a divorce, by the way, because they used to tell me I was the reason they stayed together, you know, when parents uh. do that. So finally, when I was about 17 or 18, I think they were like, okay, this, this isn't working anymore. So it was when they were in the midst of the divorce and no matter how much you think you're ready for a divorce, it's an emotional thing. And so like my mom was in a fetal position in the couch for a little while. My dad was out trying to be 25 again. And they were kind of doing their own thing. And so they were like, go, Rianne, go live your life, go do whatever you want to do, because they were kind of preoccupied with just trying to survive that, you know, it was it was traumatic for them. Um, so yeah, and, and really, again, like my parents were pretty special people. Like I said, they, you know, they didn't have a lot, but they put us in places where they knew uh, we would meet people. And I think this is kind of the result of what they really wanted to happen. So in some ways, as a parent now myself, I think, how did my parents just let me go out? It was before cell phones. It was before, like, like I was in Europe for three months. I wouldn't talk to my parents for like weeks at a time. I would die right now if I didn't talk to my children all the time or have some form of tether to them digitally. Um, but yeah, they were just you know, they kind of like stepped out in faith and was like, she's smart. She'll take care of it. And I did. And I had the most amazing time. I had the most amazing experiences. Like I said, I still have a lot of these friends today. And um, God, it's so funny because Beauty Blender is global and I see them around the world. And it's, it's just, yeah, it was really crazy. And then I came home. The love, the love died. And I was like, okay, I need to meet a nice American guy. And I came home and that's, what I did. I came back. I, that's when I decided I was going to be a makeup artist. That's when, <clears throat> you know, I, I continued to work with F FIDM. And then I, um, but I, I ended up getting work. I started working right away. It was the beginning of music video. Music video was huge. And it was a great opportunity for a makeup artist that wasn't in the union to work and make money. So that's how I entered my makeup my production makeup artistry before the unions, before film and television. Right. What a fun place to have, art, you know, play with your artistry. Oh, right? my God. It was so amazing. I mean, it was when music video had big budgets. It was when we were, you know, able to create all kinds of crazy looks. And a lot of the stuff that I see people doing now, I did like 30 years ago in music video. It was just like, it's awesome. Not 30. That's a long time ago. Not 30 years. So you... um, um you had a, a challenging public situation with um, the father of your first child, and you told me that it was this experience that prepared you to be a fantastic makeup artist to celebrities, right? This sort of, like, prepared you. <laughs> well, that's that's a very jagged line there, oh, but yes, uh -huh. ultimately it did. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So I came back from Europe, and I, um, you know, I had been with a, a certain guy and and he it was culturally he was culturally different than me so there were different family values that my my the family that i had spent a lot of time with had so um yeah i came back to the united states i met this you know beautifully handsome uh 
star football player in the NFL, new to the NFL. Uh, like we locked eyes, you know, it was like one of those things. It was like we got together. It was love. We had a great time. Um, we were together for a couple years. Um, and I ended up becoming pregnant. And we were going to get married. He proposed to me, and um, I showed my ring on the Oprah Winfrey show with him. Really? Yes. I didn't Google far enough, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. That's another show. But, um, yeah, and, you know, and then all of a sudden, uh, it just got really hard. Like, I was pregnant, and suddenly I was kind of like— Oh my God, he's gone all the time. And then then I started realizing, oh, maybe he's not faithful. What about, oh, how, an athlete not being faithful? I just never, like, it didn't dawn on me. I figured he loved me. I loved him. He would be faithful. We're supposed to be faithful. Like, I'm a loyal, faithful person. And, you know, the truth of the matter was we were just really young. Our relationship today is awesome and amazing. And we have a... (laughs) We have probably the most amazing daughter, the most amazing experience. And I believe all things happen for a reason. I believe we were together for the time we were together and we were supposed to be together for that time. But I would not be sitting with you here today, Jody, having this conversation had him and I stayed together. My life would have just taken a different path. So I'm very much go with the flow. And, you know, what was, what happened was supposed to happen for many, many reasons. And, um, the reason why I say that it kind of helped me in my makeup artistry isn't because there was anything that happened in that time that helped me with actual artistry, but what I had to go through emotionally becoming a First of all, becoming a mother, just the simple act of having a child, then thinking you're going to have a a life that's going to be in this direction and suddenly one day it just goes in the other direction and having to deal with that all the while being a new mother and being a single parent suddenly, there's just certain challenges that teach you in life, you know, to be more focused to reprioritize. You know, I can no longer live with champagne and mustard in my refrigerator. I actually <laughs> had to have food, you know. I mean, there were there were just things that happened and and had I not gone through that experience, I may not have been so focused or determined. I was really determined. I was like I'm never going to come to him for a dime. Like he's never, you know. So that kind of motivation really you know, fueled my flame to to be successful and to really make something of my life. I wanted to show my daughter that um, I was a successful woman. I, I didn't want to struggle and see, you know, I didn't want her end definition of me to be, oh, my mother struggled and it was hard. It was hard, and and I did struggle, but in the end, I succeed, and that's the story that I want to tell. So that that's that's when I say it. It helped me. Yeah, and I would imagine that, like, being a private person to all of a sudden having your life be public um, was very um, jarring. But I imagine that sort of is why being with a celebrity who's sort of has, has to go through this every day, that's her normal life, it'd be um, comforting to be around someone who understands that. Right. Um, yeah, I did, that, I did understand it for my clients. But what I went through was a little different than what they went through because what what I went through when when my daughter's father and I broke up, 
And and it's just one of the things that happens is nobody planned this. He didn't plan it. I didn't plan it. It became a public, um, like a public case, like um, because he was so popular. He was at the time the highest paid uh, player ever in the NFL. So that was like a, you know, like a big deal. Um, to me, I, you know, I never even watched football. So like, it was great. He was succeeding at what he wanted to do, but it, like it, I had just come from this other situation where that is like really great, but that was really great. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, it, so it just, um, it just makes you rethink the way you you look at life, right? And being with him, and and it's funny because we talk about it now because now we're like grown adults and we've gone through all of this anger and everything that you go through and these emotions of breaking up and then raising children and, and all of that. And we just kind of laugh because it's just meant to, you know, what's meant to be for you is meant to be for you. And it was just like a learning experience and we're both mature. He's like, He's like so religious now. It's really crazy <laughs> the way people change. Anyway, I don't know if I answered your question, but it's all good. Yeah. I mean, I, I one of my questions is going to be how do you uh, make peace with the past, right? Which I think you just answered. Um, we grow up, right? We evolve. Yeah, definitely. And I remember going through it saying, I can't wait till I see this happen. I can't wait till mm -hmm. I see that happen. Like mainly, and it was all like really things like he's going to feel sorry about this. He's going to feel sorry. But you know what? That never, it, like all of those things like never really materialized the way you look at them in your emotion. And yeah, you just get past it. And, you know, at some point we all deal with our mortality, right? We all deal with the fact that we're only here for a limited amount of time. And, you know, who, how much time do you really want to spend carrying around negative baggage about somebody? It's, it weighs a lot and it, it takes a lot of energy. It, 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 drains you from the things that you want to do. And it it prevents you from moving forward in your life, too, if you're holding on to, to stuff. So I think we both got to a place where it's like, yeah, it's not, it, it really isn't worth holding on to this anymore. I mean, the fact of the matter is, look what we made. Yeah. You know, so. And it's so inspiring to hear that um, for our listeners who are maybe, or they're going through a, a breakup in their personal life, but maybe a business partner. Like, you know, there could be... And any number of circumstances where, like, chaos is reigning and to know that, like... Oh, I did that, too. I didn't tell oh, you about that. No. Uh -uh. Oh, yeah. I had a business partner with Beauty Blender in the beginning. Yeah. And you broke up? Yeah. I mean, I felt more married to her than my 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 partner. Like, it was kind of... It was, a, it was a, one of those learning experiences. And it was yeah. a messy breakup? You know, I don't know that I would call it messy. I think they're always challenging. Um, I think especially when you have two people that aren't business people, we're emotional people. Um, you know, not being able to really logically understand things. Um, it it took a while and it was, you know, it, it was challenging. It, we just were different people. And um, I wouldn't say that it was messy. I think in the end... Um, you know, it's been fine, but yeah, I mean, I just saying whether it's a partner in a romantic way, in a business way, you know, 
breakups, you learn from them and you evolve through them and then away from them. And then, you know, what is the cliche saying? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. You learn from them. So I just look at this whole, this whole life of mine is a, is like a, I'm, I'm in the university of life. I am learning all the time. Right. This is our job though. I mean, that's what I think about myself. And I said, I'm a work in progress. Like, yes, I spend a lot of time on the podcast and my work and my family, but I think I spend the most time in every day working on myself. Right, I get to learn about myself through the work or learn about myself through my family. Um, but that's the job I'm here to do, which is grow. That's like the job number one. That's awesome. Okay, so my last question for you, because I think this is, I, I love this topic. Um, what does success look like for you now? <laughs> um, what does, that is a very, that is a very, very interesting question. Because in my daily life, I don't know that I look at myself. I know as I know I'm successful, okay? Like intellectually, I know I'm successful, but I still have so many goals. I don't know that at this part of my journey that I sit back and say, "Oh, ho, I'm so successful. What does this look like?" I mean, you get to own a car, you own a house, you're an adult, you know? Um I think success at this point in my life, success for me is um, having the freedom to be creative in my business, um, having the ability to access resources and information that can help me get where I want to go. You know, when you don't have resources and you don't have money, it's hard to get information. It's hard to get people on board that um, will help you. That's why, like Natalie, we were talking about her in the beginning, like that's why she will always and forever be in my heart. She was so generous and she was so helpful for me in the beginning. Not everybody's like that, you know? So I think success really puts you in the position to be able to access uh, people, places, and things where, you know, it will really take you to whatever that ultimate goal is for me. Success for me looks like me on an island um, with my kids and grandchildren uh, drinking a Mai Tai in a muumu with my hair up in a samurai bun, um, you know, eating papaya. I don't know. Like, I just, like, I want I want, uh, success means that I can just really enjoy the fruits of my labor. And I'm not there yet. I have a lot to do. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Oh, well, I am a wise person. You are. Thank you. Shut up. I'm not. And for our <laughs> listeners, I hope you enjoy this interview. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.